just to say to those who are joining us on Zoom, the Mafukides and uh, Reggie, thank you for joining us. Uh, Mary Nailwe, thank you for joining us. Um, just to say and observe protocol uh, and to greet all the mothers once again uh, in our midst. Um, if you can put your hands together for the mothers in the room. Um, the one mother is joining us on Zoom. The other mother is that side, the mother of the house uh, with three kids. The matriarch uh, over there, Kuku uh, Baby. Uh, put your hands together for them. We love and appreciate uh, mothers and the role they play in, in, in shaping our society uh, and the many, many hardships they face uh, in uh, shaping our society right here in South Africa. But we love them and we pray that God would use them uh, to, to, to that end, uh, to building our society. I do hope that you send your mom a happy Mother's Day. Um, my wife, I told her that she's not my mom. Uh, so <laughs> somebody says she, she isn't. She's not my mother. Uh, her kids will, will do something for her. Uh, but I did wish her uh, a happy Mother's Day. Um, some of us, as we come in, uh, when we think of motherhood, uh, there's so much pain that comes to mind. And so we are with you just as you come here as well, uh, just to say, uh, please find comfort in the gospel. Um, the scriptures remind us that as you come to a family like this one, uh, that you'll receive so many mothers, so many fathers uh, in this world and in the next uh, world. So I do hope that you will find mothers here at Christ Church Midland. Amen. Amen. If for some reason your relationship with your mom is shaky, um, it is just a, um, a painful um, thing to think about, uh, we do also think of you and pray that uh, that relationship uh, will taste something of the coming kingdom. I remember a couple of weeks ago we said Jesus teaches us to pray. Give us a taste of the bread of the kingdom. Give us a taste of what it would look like when we are with you in your kingdom. And so we do pray uh, that you will find reconciliation, uh, forgiveness, uh, that you'll begin in this life to experience just a tiny bit of that. Uh, in that relationship. May God empower you um, as you do that, as you seek for reconciliation. Amen. I'm going to pray for this uh, motherhood, and then I'm going to speak about um, what we are here for. Father, we thank you so much for uh, the roles that mothers play in our society. Uh, we think of uh, the many mothers in our community and the role that they play, Father, uh, in their immediate family families in their adopted uh, families. Um, we thank you for uh, just many of us coming into Johannesburg, away from our mothers, away from the care and the nurture of, of living with our mothers. And so we do pray that in the church we would find uh, that comfort, that nurture, uh, that encouragement, um, that we will find mothers uh, here. And we have found them, and we rejoice uh, because of this multi-generational church you've called us to. I pray that we'll take advantage of that uh, and that we will learn from those who have walked the path uh, and glean from their wisdom and that you'd use them to show us um, just how much, um, what it looks like to walk with Jesus for so many years. Um, many of us look at people who've been walking with you and we don't uh, marvel at that. Uh, what a 
what a, a, an outpouring of your grace uh, in their lives. So I do pray that we would learn from them, that we'd be encouraged by their faith and imitated. Uh, this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so we come full circle this evening uh, as Ken Sunny, our great um, MC, said this evening. By the way, put your hands together for Ken Sunny. With the, with the silent N, I still don't know why they spell your name, your surname with an L, if it's a D, but we'll talk uh, with the Sotu King um, with regards to that. Uh, we come to full cycle of ending of our series in uh, life as we know it, um, and we are, as we have seen throughout, that from the beginning of Revelation to the, from the beginning in Genesis to the end in Revelation, what's God's um, number one plan? In the Christian story, too, it starts with a D, the word, to dwell with these people um, and to redefine their life as they know it, right? God's plan has always been dwelling with people. Uh, he began it in Genesis, and tonight we end it off in Revelation. And I think there's no better description of this dwelling place and what it implies to your life and to my life like we see here uh, in Revelation. I'm going to explain a bit about what was happening um, in, um, as John is writing this uh, book, this um, book to, to these churches. Uh, we're going to see that later. But just to recap, I know Kensani did a great job of doing that. I'm just, it's in my notes, uh, so I have to do it again. But not just that. Um, if you joined us um, as uh, you didn't hear that part, uh, just week one, we looked at God ordering our world in Genesis chapter one uh, with us in mind. So God orders our world with us in mind. That's the story of uh, Genesis chapter one. It is uh, counter other stories that were going around in the ancient Near East. It was trying to uh, put our, um, to help us put our trust in Yahweh God, uh, uh, that is unlike the other gods. Uh, he's not creating human beings so that they could work for him. Um, he's creating them uh, for his own good pleasure. That's week one. Week two, we saw that in Eden, the garden of God, God establishes a home with his people, uh, that they are to dwell with him in this home. Uh, this home is uh, like the Old Testament temple, uh, where Adam and his wife Eve are priests, uh, and they are serving and guarding the temple. They're keeping away unclean stuff, and taking the life of Eden, the life of the, the garden, to the ends of the earth. In other words, they spread in this life of um, Eden. And that was a place of abundance. Eden is a place of abundance, safety, and provision. Uh, that river of life that we see in Genesis, uh, it is a picture of God's lavish provision on his people. Week three, we saw that people wanted freedom, uhuru. Uh, we want freedom away from God to set up life and to live life in this world uh, in our own pleasure. We wanted to be smart, smart and shrewd, but we found, as we saw in chapter 3, that we were dumb and nude. By the way, God, because of us seeking this freedom, he chucks us out, out of his presence. Uh, so that's the tragic story of the fall of mankind. And throughout the Bible, God is trying to reestablish his presence with his people. Uh, in the tabernacle, as they were moving around in tents, uh, this tabernacle looked like and sounded like Eden. Uh, in the temple, 
they could access the presence of God, and on and on life went. Week four we saw uh, that the more and the further we move away from the presence of God in the garden, uh, the more complicated life becomes. But God, look at your neighbor and say, but God. But God, in his mercy and in his grace, we see him giving us a taste of what that looks like as he shows and displays his mercy to these people. Uh, And so the story of Yahweh, the God of Israel, continues um, throughout the Old Testament. And it is a story of a God who is gracious. We were singing that song um, earlier on, that his love endures forever. That word, it comes from the Psalms, it is uh, the steadfast love of the Lord. His covenant love endures forever. He makes promises despite us breaking our promises. He steps towards us despite us wanting to step away from him. That is the God of the Bible, Yahweh. And so we ended off in week five. Uh, we see a picture of what this God is going to do in the future. And that should shape how you and I live in the here and now. So what God is doing in the future to shape what we do and what we make of our lives in the here and now. If you miss anything I say and you sleep, that is the summary of our message this evening. Amen. Amen. What we see here in Revelation, just a a quick picture, because Revelation is a a source of many, like Genesis, many controversies, uh, is the picture of God's space, which is heaven, uh, and our space, which is earth, coming together. Okay, so previously the temple was the place where those two spaces overlapped, where the presence of God was with his people. So they could taste something of his presence uh, in the temple. So much so that not just any ordinary person, you couldn't just be a prince wearing your sneakers coming into the presence of the most holy God, um, otherwise you'll be struck down dead. Okay, so there's uh, just laws and laws about how you enter God's space, Uh, Because it is that intense. Uh, He is holy, we are not. And therefore, as we come into his presence, uh, we need to cleanse ourselves of our sin. Uh, So that's what we see in the Old Testament. But here in Revelation, the picture is that those two spaces are no longer overlapping. Right? If you had two circles like that, those two circles come together. Amen, Barcelona. They're no longer overlapping. God finally dwells with his people. That is the picture and the vision of the future. And if you and I understand this picture and the vision of the future, we will live effective lives where he has placed us. Uh, Our lives will begin to be redefined because of this uh, vision of the future. Now, I'm not going to read all of it um, at once, we are going to just work our way through it. And I want you to pay attention to the temple language uh, that we see in chapter 21. So obviously we're reading it years after the original hearers, but they would have understood what John was talking about. They would have resonated with some of these pictures because that is their, as they say, cosmology. That is how they understood the world. uh, And that is how they understood God working God's working in that world. So let me pray that God will help us as we dig into his word and as we finish our series, um, that he would begin to excite us and give us a vision for the future that would shape us in the here and now. Wherever he's placed you, in whatever space he's placed you, 
um, that he would um, redefine your life. Let, let, let us pray. Father, thank you for this, um, your word. Uh, thank you for the last uh, four weeks uh, where we've dug deep into your plans. Uh, there's so many other things we could have covered, but I pray that you would use whatever um, has been said uh, to shape us uh, here where you've placed us. As we look at our lives, Lord, often we are without direction, often we wonder what is the purpose of it. Um, often we struggle with the sinfulness and the brokenness of this world and the sinfulness and brokenness of our lives and our hearts. And so I do pray that you'd give us a vision of the future kingdom, of what you are establishing, that it will help us and equip us to live in the here and the now. This we pray in your name and for our good. Amen. Amen. Revelation 21, if you have it, uh, please stand there. If you don't have it, it's going to come up uh, on the screen just uh, behind me. This is at the end of the book, and John sees this vision uh, of the future. Listen to what he says. Then I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first earth and the first, the first heaven, rather, and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. Verse 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as the bride adorned for her husband. God is making uh, something new here. He puts an end to to life as we know it. Uh, John is giving these believers a vision for the future, that one day God will put an end uh, to life as they know it. Now, if you want to find out more, uh, about the book of Revelation. We actually did it last year uh, in a series titled uh, Life as We, not Life as We Know It. Um, what was it? Going through the most. Uh, as we explored what John was doing, as he encouraged these uh, Christians who were going through the most, who are facing the most difficult times, uh, he was encouraging them with this picture of God seated on a throne in the earlier chapters. And he's encouraging them now in verse 21, of the future of God doing something new, something big for them that they would otherwise not be able to do for themselves. They needed to know this because their lives were governed, as I said, by pain, by suffering, by chaos. Uh, and it looked like chaos was winning and evil was triumphing uh, as they found themselves living in this culture as a minute group of people. Uh, they did, notice I used the word minute. Ish. Wow. Fire. Fire. Um, as, a, as a small group of uh, people wandering about in the world that they lived in, uh, they thought to themselves, man, this Christian thing doesn't work. God doesn't seem to be in control. That is why John writes to them this vision of the future, that God is up to something, and in the future is going to bring an end to the chaos uh, of that governs your life. Uh, verse 1 at the end there, not only is God creating the new heaven and the new earth, uh, the old is passing away, but the sea is no more. Uh, the sea is a picture of chaos in Hebrew thinking, uh, and the sea would be no more. And, God, and John, throughout Revelation, gets a picture, he sees something, and then he hears something. He sees something, and then hears something. Okay, so what he sees is explained by what he hears. 
And so he sees a vision of a new city, the new Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the place where God dwelt. Uh, that was the place where the mountain temple was. Um, but God is creating something new. The new Jerusalem comes down out from, out from heaven, uh, prepared as this beautiful, beautiful bride. This um, verse 3 John sees in verse 1 and 2, and then he hears in verse 3, Then I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling, of place, the dwelling place of God is with men. See that? God dwelling with his people has been part of the Christian story till the very end. Now the dwelling place of God uh, is with men. He will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God will himself, God rather himself, will be with them as their God. This is what's going to happen in the future. God will once again come down and make heaven and earth one. He's going to come dwell with us. Um, have a look at uh, verse 4. What I like about the Bible is that it's not... Um, and I'm, I'm quite aware of this, that when we speak about heaven and earth, um, those concepts are very far away from us. Uh, they are not tangible uh, concepts, right? But God makes it tangible because he's speaking to real people who are experiencing real difficulties. And as he shows them the picture of the coming age, he wants them to know what it will look like. This is what it looks like. Have a look at verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Don't be long for that day. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is the vision of the future. We, in Genesis, chose to live our own way. We ended up with tears, death, and all sorts of brokenness. But God is going to reverse that uh, in the future. That is the vision um, of the future, and he wants these Christians, John wants these Christians um, to remember that. John wants us to understand this message and what it meant to those Christians and to help us understand our world and our life as we know it. Think of the things that bring you tears. The chaos of our world I think by far the most painful thing is death. And I know our culture minimizes it. Like, I mean, it's stats, right? COVID stats. Um, people are dying. But we, we use euphemisms, whatever culture you come from, uh, to talk about death. He, he's passed on. Um, in fact, the, the, the spell correct, I wanted to correct uh, um, this uh, verse Verse 1 where it says uh, the earth has passed away to die. Okay, so we use a lot of euphemism to describe the pain of death. But at the end of the day, if you've lost somebody close to you, it is the most painful thing ever. And that's the result of our broken world. That's the result of Genesis chapter 1, uh, Genesis chapter 3. Think of the relational breakdown. Think of the relational trauma and drama in your life. Think of the single mothers that are raising children in South Africa and how we as a culture celebrate that as if it's something good. We should be mourning at the fact that there are no fathers raising those children with them. That is the result of us living 
are, are apart from God. The result of living our lives as the masters of our own, uh, own, own ship. Think of the stats on sexual abuse. Whenever I hear it, I'm just like, wow. Whenever I hear um, that women in our country say, yeah, I was, also, I was also abused. That is the world that you and I live in, the world of pain and brokenness. Think of your office space and the endless toil that you toil, and sometimes it doesn't feel like you're achieving what you set out to do. Work is painful. Again, if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, you'd realize that this is exactly what happens when we reject God. But God will one day come and bring an end to all of that. Uh, in this new world where God is with his people, those things shall be there no more. Amen. Just let that sink in uh, for a minute as you consider your life. That one day, this is God's plan, that in the future, he will eradicate all of the brokenness of our world. That should shape how you live in the here and now. Let's jump over to verses 5 um, to, uh, to 8. And who he, he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for this words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, listen to the language of Genesis of this spring of water, this spring of life, this wonderful provision of God, of the life that flows from God. To the thirsty I will give from the spring, the spring of the water of life without payment. Uh, what God does for us is without our effort. Uh, it is solely based on his gracious uh, um, character. Verse 7, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, that portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, Reggie is going to be leading us through the book of Amos. And what we see, I don't want to spoil um, what we're going to see. I hope that you come for that series. We're starting it off next week. What we see is that God keeps his promises. But when we, in this age where we think of God as a fluffy um, teddy bear, we don't often think what that statement implies. God keeps his promises. That can be the most beautiful thing that you've ever had but it can also be the most dreadful thing you've ever had. As you work your way throughout Revelation, you see that God gives, keeps his promises to his saints. Those who are, uh, as he says, those who, are, who conquer are those who hold on to the gospel message. Uh, those who, despite trials, despise, despite living in this broken world, they hold on to Jesus, right? And those who are the cowardly are those who run away from Jesus. Um, the promises of God is this, that when we reject him, when we continue to want freedom from him, he will give it to us. And it's not a pretty picture. The other promise is that when we embrace his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, um, not because of anything we've done, he will embrace us and we will partake in this new kingdom that he's establishing 
Now, John wants to make a separation and a distinction between those two people, between the sons and the enemies. And I wonder where you stand this evening. And I'm not saying that to scare you, but I'm saying that as an invitation because the invitation still stands for you to embrace what the Lord Jesus has done for you. Not, notice the life that he gives is not because we paid anything. It is free of charge. He will give them this heritage. He will give them um, water of life without any payment. And on and on. I don't think we have time to look at um, all of our verses. But from verse 9 till verse 21, I'd encourage you to read that. Because again there you see so many pictures of the temple of God. Um, Trivia Bible, trivia, those who, are, who read the Bible. In the Bible, what is the thing that is cubic in its makeup? With, with um, your science. The, what is this thing? Length, breadth, and height, they're equal. What is that in the Bible? The Ark, uh, Kate is, if you're playing hide and seek, she's close by. It's, it's the Ark, but uh, say more. The Ark of the Covenant, yeah, 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 but it's something in there that is cubical, that is described in cubical form. It is in the, in the Ark, in the temple. Somebody? The tablet. Um, it's not cubical. The, the Holy of Holies is said to be cubical in its uh, makeup. If you read through Revelation 9, Revelation 21, 9 to 21, you see that the measurement of this new city uh, resembles the Holy of Holies. In other words, the city that God is going to make is like the Holy of Holies. That Holy of Holies that you couldn't just walk into is going to be a part and puzzle of this new world that God is uh, creating. In fact, in this Holy of Holies, it was made up of gold. Uh, The streets of the new city are made up of gold, right? Now, this does not mean that when you die, one day there'll be St. Peter there by the pearly gates waiting for us, um, and there'll be streets of gold. No, this is pictures of the new world uh, using Old Testament imagery to describe to us what God is going to do in the future. What you need to understand is that God will be with his people. And life with God is more than um, what you and I can imagine. Life with God, it is absent of the troubles of this world, and it is joy everlasting. That is what we look forward to. How do you know it's true? Now, I'm a, I'm a, I grew up in a home where we worshipped ancestors. Um, we believed in the afterlife. We believe that when you die, there will be life after that. Um, what makes a Christian story unique? Without mocking any other worldview or the African worldview, um, in some ways we held on to those views. But the thing that makes Christianity different is this idea of a resurrected Jesus. In Revelation, we see that this, uh, at the throne of uh, this new world is the slaughtered lamb. Um, the lamb which was slaughtered is Jesus who died on the cross. Historically, we can prove that. 
but he did not remain dead. He came back to life. That is the hope that you and I I have, uh, that Jesus is alive. And the reason why we can trust that what John says to these Christians who are facing the most difficult of times, that is true, is because Jesus is alive. Take that away, then we are wasting our time this evening. Take that away, then the Christian story does not make sense. Take that away, then this new heaven, new earth, those are just wishes. Uh, Those are just nice ways that we say to each other when faced with difficulty. It's going to get better one day. How do you know that's true? Jesus is alive. Amen. And because Jesus is alive, we are given the assurance that one day God will reestablish his throne, uh, his dwelling place um, with his his people. Now, let me just um, give you a theology lesson. Um, when you're chilling at a braai one day, I got, I learned about this word called eschatology. Ah, deep stuff, ne? Um, uh, that's just a fancy thing that uh, uh, theologians use to describe this future, this um, eschaton, this um, what God is going to do uh, in the end. The Christian story views life in uh, three different stages, Okay. So the age of evil, which comes after the fall, and the age to come, which comes when Jesus returns. Okay, so think of it as a line here. Jesus comes for the very first time. He comes and lives a life, a perfect life. He comes teaching a countercultural message. If you read the Gospels, we're going to look at the Beatitude later on in the year. Um, he lives a countercultural life. He dies on the cross for sinners like you and me uh, so that we don't have to face the penalty of God in this life. Um, he's buried on a tomb. He comes back to life miraculously. It's not like back then they used to believe in the resurrection. Um, they didn't. Dead people died and they remained dead. But Jesus is alive. Uh, Jesus came back to, uh, to life Um, And he said he will leave and ascend to heaven and bring us his Holy Spirit. And his Holy Spirit, we see in Acts, begins this mission called the church. And the church is the breaking in of the life of heaven in the here and now. That wherever the people of God, the church, go, they are to bring the life of Eden wherever God has placed them. Still living in this age. This is the age that we live in. This is the overlap between the age of evil and the age to come. We believe that Jesus will come again to bring an end to this evil. Amen. So the life, the the age of evil that is characterized by our brokenness, the breaking in of the presence of God in the person of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, the age of the church, um, and the age of to come. We, you and I, as you live on Monday, you're living at this age. How should you think? You should look back to our brokenness and our sin, what is what has led us to, and you should look forward to what God is doing in the future. Unless you and I have this vision of the future, we will not live impactful life and radical lives for God wherever He's placed us. Um, let me put that positively. For us to make a difference. In the spaces and places where God has placed us, 
is to have this vision of the future kingdom. That God has, re- has established his kingdom now with us. Jesus is king. That means our lives will never be the same. And in the coming age, he will bring an end to all of our trouble. So as you live in your office space, you live with this mindset that I'm living for the world to come. Uh, I want to be his priest right here on earth who will bring about that life of the kingdom in the here and now. In this age, God has left the church in charge and in control. Uh, And when I mean the church, I'm not talking about the institution. I'm talking about you guys. If you are a Christian, God has placed you in that office space to bring the life of the kingdom where he's placed you. God has placed you in this troublesome world to have a positive view of the future. That because Jesus is alive, that changes everything. That changes how I grieve. Uh, that changes how I handle frustration. That changes just about everything. Now, I want to leave us with um, two scriptures from Revelation itself as we wrap up our, our, our series together. Remember that Adam and Eve were kings and priests. Revelation, John says to these Christians who are facing difficulties, chapter 1, verse 5, to him who loves us and has freed us, listen to this, what Jesus, the lamb that was slaughtered, has done for us, who's freed us from our sins by his blood, that is what Jesus has done for us, and made us a kingdom. Made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. As these Christians are going through difficulties, John is saying, may praise be to God who is in charge and who is in control, who's left you, Christian, in charge. Do you think of your office space as that? I'm in charge here. Not in an arrogant way of trying to be the boss there, but that you are bringing a different culture, the culture of heaven in the here and now. Listen to this song, and I hope this would become the song of our lives in chapter 5, verse 9. Again, John speaking to the Christians, seeing the vision uh, and hearing the praises in the heavenly space. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people, you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation, vendors, Tongas, Batwana, Afrikaans people, uh, French people, uh, Zimbabwean people, Shonas and uh, Chewas, uh, French people, people from every tribe, tongue and nation. God has ransomed them to become a kingdom of priests. Um, God ransomed people from, for, God, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on earth. What is our job? It is to be in charge. What is God charged to the church? To bring about the life of Eden. The life of heaven. Wherever he's placed the church. Do we that, do that with ease? No. But we do that remembering that one day he'll bring an end to it. And so I do hope that that will be our song. As you step out, that you remember 
that we are kings and priests. Not because of some motivational speaking that I'm trying to motivate you. No, no, no. God has given us a task and we ought to take it seriously. And the only way for us to achieve that task is by relying on him. I'm going to pray that God would do exactly that as we bring our time to an end. Father, you have placed us in different places and spaces um, to bring about change and transformation. As we look at South Africa, as we look at Midland, Lord, uh, and so many things that we can complain about, I pray that you'd remind us that you didn't place us here to complain, but you placed us here to be kings and priests. Uh, Father, I pray that we would uh, take on the task with humility and live every moment with that realization. Father, there's many things that we can cry about, about the brokenness of our world, but I pray that you'd use us, use the church to bring transformation. We think of fatherlessness in our country. I pray that you'd use the church to bring about transformation. Uh, We think of um, corporate greed. I pray that the message of Jesus will bring about transformation in our world. As Christians embrace the task of living selfless life, just like their master was selfless. I pray for our ambitions. I pray that we would have them in check, Lord, that we would remember that we work everything as if we are working for you. I pray for the single mothers who are grappling day in, day out, raising children, that you'd give them the strength where the, 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 the ideal legs, that your grace will prevail, uh, that you'd use them to shape our nations. I pray for leadership in our country, even as we see all the things that are going on. I pray that the church would be different, that it would, it would offer a voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, who did not equant equality with you, something to be grasped and held onto, but emptied himself of his glory and embraced the form of a servant, uh, a form of taking up human flesh and dying on the cross, that you exalted him. I pray that Christians would not be self-exalting, but like Jesus would humble themselves and wait for you to exalt them. I pray for sexual brokenness in our world, uh, that Christians would embrace the cross of Jesus, uh, that they would see their bodies uh, as means of saving others and not as means and instruments uh, for sexual immorality. I pray for so many things, for corporate essay, uh, for the office space that you've placed us in. May we be a voice of difference. Please redefine our life right now. Give us a, a great picture of the coming world, that we would be agents of the coming world in the here and the now. If you don't do that by your spirit, we cannot achieve it. So we do pray that your spirit would be at work in our lives as we step out into uh, the office spaces where you placed us in. Lord, I pray for someone who's not a believer this evening, that they would come to the end of themselves and wanting to be wise in their own way and embrace Jesus as king. And that joy, Father, would accompany them in that decision. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for joining us for the last five weeks as we worked our way through the series. As I said, Reggie is kick-starting another series in Amos, an Old Testament minor prophet. So I do hope that you will have an opportunity to read that as you prepare for next week. 
Uh, may God bless us uh, wherever he's placed us. Um, as we say, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now evermore. Amen.